Hey guys, this is Clark, host of the PaleX Podcast, and welcome back for this week's show. We got Elisa Vitti coming on to talk about the woman's code, getting off the pill, natural alternatives, and flow living. Why your hormones are not a liability, how to unlock the power of yours, get into things like PMS, uh, natural contraceptive methods. But this show is not just for the ladies. Elisa and I talk about what men need to do and learn to be better partners, um, kind of the operating manual to understanding your other half. So, a couple announcements before we get going. Paleohacks.com, head over there, find our archives. All our previous shows are up there, 100% free. Just go download, start working your way back. Uh, last week's show with Dr. Dan Kalish, phenomenal. If you haven't listened to that, be sure you do. And if you like this show, Samantha Gladish is another guest who did women's uh, issues, women's specific health, and that was a great one as well. You can find me at Clark Dangerous, that's O-U-S, on all the social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. YouTube channel is Clark Danger Fitness. We do Wednesday, weekly Wednesday health hacks over there. If you're interested in that, be sure to subscribe and get all the latest ones. All right, you ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go hear what Elisa has to say. My next guest wrote and published one of the best top 50 selling books on women's health of all time. You may have seen her on the Dr. Oz TEDx or the She Summit, and her work serves women in over 216 countries worldwide. Please welcome to the stage, Alisa Vitti. Hey, Clark. Good to be here. Good to have you. Um, I'm excited for this show. This is going to be a great one. And when I was doing a little digging beforehand, I want your opinion on something because I found this and I was I was curious about it. Um, a while back, I heard about a, a tribe or a, a community in West Africa who have four times the normal birth rate of twins and researchers couldn't pin it together. Uh, what are these people doing? And they panned it down to they have a really high consumption of sweet potatoes in their community. Hmm. Um, any thoughts on that? Have you heard of sweet potatoes? I, I, that's a first for me. I love it when I, I hear something new. Um, you know, sweet potatoes are a great source of um, a phytoprogesterone, which helps with balancing the cycle and helps maintain pregnancy. Um, they're a great source of vitamin A, which helps the liver stay clear of, of estrogen. But, you know, as far as sweet potatoes facilitating twin birth that's yeah. I don't know that's okay to be determined <laughs> okay it was just interesting I wanted your the expert's opinion on it um and so today you know your work is primarily geared towards women um but if there's men listening right now I don't want them to just tune out because it's very by all means no because the thing about that I love teaching about is is how we can all understand what's happening with our hormonal patterns both male and female so that we can collaborate in whatever way, whether that be in a work environment or in a relationship environment more optimally, because you know, how much friction do you have in relationships when we don't understand some of our, our blind spots? So it's, right. yeah, so guys definitely want to hang out for the insider secrets. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really beneficial to understand. I know, uh, based on my relationship, just knowing what's going on either with the cycle or um, hormones with women specifically, it really makes you a more uh, empathetic partner and yeah. you can understand a lot better. 
But not just understand, you can actually jump in and do the right things at the right time that make you like the champion partner, you yeah. know? So who, who doesn't want to win in the game of relationship? I, I think that's a good game to play. A winning game is a good game. So you need like the, all the details in order to do that. Or so. you can be the champion. Do you hear that? <laughs> so Alisa, I'm really curious on uh, how you got into this, this, this path of serving women in 216 countries and writing the women, woman code. And um, it's such a passion for you. And it's clear to see when you're up there on stage talking, um, where's that all, where's that all coming from? What's your story? Well, I mean, I, if I go way, way back, the very first time I heard about periods in sex ed class in sixth grade, like blew my mind. I remember I just hadn't heard about it before and I have very conservative parents. And so it just wasn't discussed. And I thought, are you kidding me? We bleed every month and we don't die and we make babies and all this. Are you what? And this is going to happen to me. And that was it. That afternoon, I, I inaugurated the first chapter of the period club it, at recess. <laughs> and that was it. Game on. And I was making predictions of which of my friends would get it first and which order. I was 100% accurate. Had a bet, betting pool. and uh, Yeah, I should put some money on that. But I put myself last um, intuitively. I just didn't think I would be so last. So most of my friends finished their pubescent transition of getting their first period, you know, by the end of junior high. And I didn't get mine until end of sophomore year, Hmm. which is fairly late. And that was just the sort of one of the symptoms along a trajectory that was getting progressively worse for me when it came to my hormonal balance. And so it wasn't until a few years later, when I was a student at Johns Hopkins University, fully intending to become an OBGYN because, like I said, that sixth grade class was really impactful and life-changing. Um, and uh, and I was really sort of overcome by just this conflagration of symptoms where I had, you know, gained all this weight. I was sort of tipping the scales at 200 plus pounds. I was... Um, uh, you know, covered face, chest, and back in cystic acne. I obviously hadn't been menstruating consistently for the entire time, the entire decade hmm. that all of my other friends were. And I was exhausted. I was anxious. I mean, just nothing about my life was functioning. I, I couldn't get up in the morning when I wanted to. I couldn't go to sleep when I wanted to. It was just like a fight. Everything was a fight in my body. And I just felt... Um, so out of control and no one knew what was wrong with me. Obviously I was seeking out the best medical care. And so out of desperation and in one of my many insomniacal nights, I was at the library and found a great article on, uh, what the condition I had was originally called, which is called Stein Leventhal disorder, Hmm. which is now referred to as polycystic ovarian syndrome, which people call PCOS. And I mean, I was like the classic textbook presentation for this. So I just couldn't believe that it had gone undiagnosed for as long as it did. So I, of course, destroyed some library property to get this document into the hands of my gynecologist. I don't recommend doing that. Love your library. And, uh, and I, you know, we did the confirmatory test and she, you know, agreed that in fact I did have PCOS and and the prognosis was really, so, you know, having something wrong with me wasn't, necessarily the catalyst. It was sitting in the chair at that moment where she said, you know, so you're going to continue to deal with obesity. It's going to get worse. You're going to have 
-hmm. very increased chance of developing diabetes. You won't be able to get pregnant naturally and maybe not at all even with um, it, you know, interventions, and then you'll be at, at increased risk for cancer. You know, and I'm, I'm in my early 20s hearing yeah. this, and that's my future. And I remember my whole body, Clark, just saying, you know, no, this, this absolutely cannot be. And, um, and we went from there. I mean, I just made a decision to, to change my life to research all that I could about uh, hormones and nutrition. And what was really exciting, what was coming out of Hopkins at that time was all this research on the human genome project, but specifically the discovery of those ghost protein structures that we refer to as the epigenome that, that activate your genes to express health or disease. And I thought, you know, and, and the one thing that they determined about your epigenetic function was that it could be exclusively manipulated by two things. They, they figured this out by studying identical twins who had different disease or health states. And they discovered that food and lifestyle was the way to manipulate this function in your, in your genetic makeup. And so I thought, my goodness, if we can use food and lifestyle to manipulate our gene expression, we can certainly use food and lifestyle to manipulate glandular function within a system like the endocrine system. And this was before functional medicine was a thing, um, the way that it is today. And it was really exciting. I just started putting my protocol together. Of course, I was my first uh, patient and it was remarkable to see the transformation happen. Of course, the skin clearing up and the weight coming off was great, but uh, the mental clarity and the the energy and the vitality and of course, ovulating and menstruating every month with regularity was a wonderful thing to have back. Yeah, that's really amazing. Going back to um, having all those symptoms in your early 20s and your doctors not being able to tell you what's wrong and then you go into the library researching it yourself, ripping out the book and giving it to them. Um, do people test for PCOS regularly now? Is it more... Uh, yes, there's so much more. Um, what, since one in, you know, statistics say one in seven, one in 10, but okay. it's a signif statistically significant a num number of women have this worldwide. And so it is more well known now uh, oh. by, by, you know, any practicing gynecologist to check if there's a certain pattern of symptoms, okay. which is good, which means that your lag time around being confused about what's going on with your health to really understanding what you have is much shorter. The problem is that what you do about that really hasn't changed from the standard of traditional medicine, right? You just are going to be prescribed the pill yeah. or metformin or glucophage or some other medication to control um, the hair issues, but none of that actually fixes the root cause. And you know, you asked me, Clark, why did I start Flow Living? And why I started it was because I remember feeling completely alone. I remember seeing that there was no good news online about this condition. And I remember feeling like there was just no positive path forward when you have a period issue or hormonal imbalance. And I just promised that if I could figure out how to help myself, that I would then figure out how to build a platform that could help every woman. And that's what Flow Living is. That's where the best teachers, trainers, coaches come out of. You know, your body is your resume if you're like a personal trainer. And so the ones who were obese and understand it and then they get fit, they're able to kind of coach people in a better way than you could. So, I mean, the story of like, you know, you have an acne and not being able to menstruate or um, 
uh, having PCOS and then able to take that into what you're doing now with flow living is, is, is powerful. And so I'm curious then, um, who are some of like, what are some of the common issues you're seeing with the women you're working with? Uh, what are the things that come up every day? Well, I mean, we sort of see women in three distinct categories. We have women who, you know, were like me that have PCOS or that Mm -hmm. have, um, other period issues like, you know, heavy periods, really painful cramping or really severe PMS, which the National Institute of Health, there's a study, very important study called a biocycle study, which, which was out 10 years ago that linked PMS in your reproductive years to increased risk for the four big diseases of inflammation postmenopausally. So that means if you have something that you're joking about around your PMS now in your 20s and 30s, that after your very last period, you're going to be at increased risk for diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and dementia. So, so like so, PMS is not something we should joke about. PMS is like a cry from your body huh. to take action, make a change. And describe PMS. Is that just the, the mood fluctuations people are seeing or the sure. cramps? Uh, it goes mood together. fluctuations, bloating, where you basically PMS is where you feel and mm-hmm. look like a different person one half of the month to the other half of the month, right? So acne, bloating, fatigue, mood swings, irritability, you know, all, and then yes, you can have cramps, you can have all sorts of things like that too. And, and you're saying um, that's, so that's, that's a, not natural? That it should, no. Okay. Oh, let's just clear that up right now, Clark, because you asked that in such an innocent, lovely way. And I, I love that <laughs> about, about your question. Like, no, it's not natural. It's not part of your hormonal design to have PMS. Your body isn't trying to make you suffer uh, this week. In fact, all that PMS is, you know, mm-hmm. if we had a little graph, we could talk about how, how the hormones should sort of fall. But during the luteal phase, which is the 10 to 12 days before you start your bleed, okay, and I like to use that word because menstruation and menses and your cycle and your period, it refers to the whole 30-day process. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's the luteal phase before the bleeding phase. It's, I think it's much more understandable. So that 10 to 12-day period is called the luteal phase. And what's all that's supposed to happen the function of this phase is not to make you miserable. It's to thicken the lining of the uterus, wait for potential implantation of an embryo, and if it doesn't happen, if there's no conception, to slowly reduce the hormonal output so that your lining is triggered to shed. That's it. And estrogen and progesterone follow each other very closely on a beautiful arc. Mm -hmm. And so long as they're in equal balanced concentration all throughout that 10 to 12-day period, you experience no PMS. But most of us, Clark, have way too much estrogen in comparison to progesterone, and that's where PMS is in in the space between my two hands, right? Like Mm -hmm. too much of that space between estrogen and progesterone is the degree to which you will experience PMS symptoms. And you can fix it with food. So a lot of women come to us with that, with fibroids, with ovarian cysts, with any sort of period problem, um, too long cycles, too short cycles, missing periods. Then the second category is women who are trying to prepare their body for pregnancy, who are trying to conceive whether they're going through IVF or not. They want to do everything they can to supercharge their body to make them optimally fertile. We have an amazing program for that because I know what it takes as well. Personally, part two of my story, part one is getting my period back. Part two is getting pregnant naturally on the third try at Mm. 37 and having my first child at advanced maternal age, right? So 
you know, that is another passion of mine. And then the third category is, you know, what we call the sexy flow category, which is really all about women who are over 35, who are beginning to experience because perimenopause begins for every woman at 35, um, is beginning to feel those symptoms where, you know, you feel a little more tired. You can't lose those five to 10 pounds for some reason that you put on last year. Your period's starting to be a little erratic, you know, your sex drive's gone, you're, you're a little foggy, that all that kind of, you know, fuzzy feeling of a little bit less vitality. That's Mm -hmm. really what we address as well. So it's the, uh, the monthly flow, the fertile flow, the sexy flow, right? Those three different categories. I just want to get you out of hormonal chaos and into the hormonal flow. You just tell me which one you need, but that's, those are the three major inflection points that a woman will go through hormonally during her reproductive years. I love it. I love it. That's very clear. I like that. Um, That was fascinating. So with the the bleed, as you call it, it's the shedding of the uterine wall when there's no implantation. And so, okay. And so then that is shed. Um, how, how does it work then if you don't have a period? What, what's happening there? Is there no thickening of the uterine wall? Yeah. So a couple reasons. You could have not enough estrogen due to, let's say, over-exercising or not enough body fat, mm-hmm. um, which, which sometimes happens for women. Um, but it can also just be from other hormonal imbalances. It can also be that, so that's one scenario in which you don't bleed because you're not actually producing the lining. The other scenario, let's say for women who are, um, they have sluggish pituitary function like I did, and this doesn't always manifest in PCOS, but you're just not, you're, you're not producing enough progesterone to, to, to trigger the lining to shed. So instead of not producing a lining, you are producing the lining, but it's not leaving the uterus on a consistent basis, which is also problematic because that can put you at increased risk for cancers of that area. So that's why it's important to menstruate every month. And then, of course, there's the whole question of, are you on the pill? And have you been put on the pill to manage one of your period problems? Um, I'm here to tell you that whatever is happening to you from a bleeding standpoint is not actually a period. Hmm. So it's not a real period and it's not necessarily helping you balance out your hormones. Well, it's definitely not helping you balance out your hormones and it's depleting your body of micronutrients, which um, will further exacerbate the underlying reasons why your hormones are out of balance in the first place. One thing you said in the She Summit I was watching before this that I, I really liked was um, how most people hear hormone and they either think steroids or um, they think liability. And and with your work, well, I'll let you explain it. How are hormones kind of not a liability? Oh well, hormones are like your your jet fuel. You know, I mean, you have your basic metabolic function, but then your vibrancy and your your magnetism and your brain is stimulated by these things in our body that are called hormones. And it's amazing to understand how these work. And, you know, in men, men have a 24 hour cycle, which Mm -hmm. has been extremely well studied and very heavily leveraged when it comes to fitness and biohacking, for example, right? So Mm. you, for example, Clark, probably know that, you know, your testosterone is highest in the morning and your metabolism is best at, you know, midday. And so you're going to base an exercise regime and a dietary plan based on this 24 hour pattern 
to your great advantage, hmm, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, not to mention, I had an article that went viral over the holidays about the best time of day to have sex. Your your men uh-huh. and their sex drive shifts dramatically through these three parts of the day. And, you know, you're going to have different kinds of sex in the morning than you are in the middle of the day than you are in the afternoon and the evening, right? Huh. One is going to be more testosterone driven and like sort of towards the late afternoon is going to be more heart driven. So depending on what your relationship hmm. needs at that moment, if it needs that passionate, you know, animal kind of sex, then yeah. you can do that in the morning. If it needs the like more romantic, plugged in heart kind of sex, you want to schedule that at the right time of the day. So all of that is like really well defined. But women have been operating with this sort of like two hands tied behind their back because th- not only do they not know what their hormonal patterns are and what they do for them, what they offer to them as an advantage, but they're also given a consistent cultural message which says, this is a big liability, mm-hmm. stay far away from it as much as you avoid these things because they're just going to slow you down or make you seem crazy or, you know, you know what it is and we've all heard the stuff. So it's really, none of it's actually biologically based. And that was the big aha for me because let me tell you, I was not looking for my period or my hormones to be like this holy grail of my life. But when I looked at the science, it just took my breath away as to how powerful and efficient and creative and, and, and a little, it's just amazing what these hormones do and how they affect our brain chemistry. And you said in the the talk that, um, uh, let me pull it up. It was a $200 billion loss in the United States because of, of hormonal issues? Cramp, just cramps. Wow. Just cr- from cramps, women taking some days off or, or not being able to produce at, at their jobs. That's what the American workforce is losing because we're not uh, creating a, you know, conversation that includes our bodies, that allows us to... to, to specifically care for our unique female operating system the way that it was designed to be cared for. And that's all I'm asking for. That's all we advocate at Flow Living is, listen, you've got ovaries, you've got a cycle, there are specific rules as to how you engage those things so that they perform for you. That's all. And then they will, and then you can go like kick ass in your life. Okay, and so when you you follow these rules or you follow the woman code or Flow Living, then you don't have those cramps or they're less often or even yeah, the, you, the PMS you, goes away. PMS goes away. Yeah. My husband came back from like a guy's night out a couple months ago and I was like, how was it? He's like, oh, you know, everybody's chit-chatting about like wives and girlfriends. And inevitably he said, you know, of course you can imagine my husband's like a slight period expert now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so was he, he, was, he like, was giving them lessons. Well, no, it was just, it just, he was just leaning back and listening as everybody kind of went around the table in sort of this like commiseration collective of like, oh, you know, my relationship's always on the rocks when it's that time of the month. And, you know, it came to be my husband's turn and he didn't have anything to say. And they're like, come on, you know, and he's like, no, she doesn't have PMS. We don't have, we, we might, we might have conflict, but it's not because of that. Yeah. And they were like, what, how does that work? Tell us. You know, he's like, dude, read the book. So <laughs> chapter five. So it, it's it, a walking it, testimonial. It's it's so great. And, you know, and how we take that to a, you know, so <clears throat> just getting rid of symptoms is a great place to start because that's probably why you're motivated like I was to to embark on a diet and lifestyle program that's all about 
putting your body at the center point. But what's in it for you is a much bigger game. So for example, in my marriage, we don't like have a chore wheel or I don't know, we, we cycle sync. Cycle sync is my trademark term about how I leverage this technology. So cycle sync, we cycle sync our marriage. So he knows where I am in my cycle and he knows the specific predictable actions that he should take based on, you know, what kinds of communication style to bring that week, mm-hmm. what kind of foreplay and sex to have with me that week, what kind of activities to plan with friends or not with friends based on which week we're in, what kind of foods we should be eating that week to have more harmony in relationship. All of that, he knows what to do and we do it together. It's not like I leave it all up to him to, to take care of it. Um, and, uh, and he's always winning in the relationship. And how many guys feel like no matter what they say or what they try or what they do, that they're always, you know, finding their partner is disappointed or frustrated with them. And I think it's because you're not cycle syncing, you know, we, we women are, and I said this in the talk and I'll say it here, our brain is functionally different by 25% each week of the cycle. Hmm. So we are really you know, we're the same person, but our priorities, our desires, our interests are distinct week over week. But it is predictable. It's mm-hmm. only four. And it's and not only should guys know about it, but women should be, of course, completely fluent in their own bodies predictable patterns so that they can use them primarily for their own benefit beyond relationships. And I see this personally in the area of career as such a huge opportunity for women that I'm hoping to help them tap into. Well, that's really cool. I'm, I'm picturing the guy at home who kind of wants to win and he's frustrated and there's a lot of frustration because there's a lack of understanding. And so what I'm hearing is that maybe this, uh, the flow living or the woman code or these, uh, what you could cycle syncing is kind of an operating manual that's right. f- for an understanding Everybody. relationship. Yeah. yeah. And when you're able to master this, boom, a lot of the frustration and miscommunication can go away. It's, 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 let's, it's like we remove the unnecessary suffering of PMS, right, by getting diet and lifestyle synced to your cycle, but we can also remove unnecessary friction and suffering and tension from relationships once you get your relationship cycle synced to the same, same thing. So I want to talk about the pill um, or, okay. or birth control in general. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on it? I'll leave it really open-ended and you can take it wherever you want um, on the pill and hormone birth controls. All right. Good, wide open question. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> um, I, I think that the pill has been a huge advantage for women to, to make sure that they are only having pregnancies that they want to have. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, <clears throat> the problem that I have with the pill is that it's being prescribed in ways that it was never originally intended for. So the pill was originally created, and that's fine that you know new uses for medications come up all the time, but in this particular scenario, um, seeing that it's not really helpful because the pill was really intended for women who've, um, who are healthy, who've either had all their babies. Originally, that's who, hmm. what it was actually for, for moms who've had all their babies, and now they can use this synthetic really? hormone replacement to stop getting pregnant. I mean, you have to remember back in the day before the pill was was championed um, by a woman uh, that uh, women were having eight, ten babies over the course of their reproductive years to the point where their 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 reproductive organs were like falling out of their pelvic floor. Like it was not a good scene. Yeah, it's a and lot. So it was too many, and and it's, it's hard on the body. 
Um, I just have had one and I'm, you know, I'm still actively replenishing my system, right? So many multiple pregnancies is very hard on the body. So the pill has been a great thing. But, you know, over time, especially in the last 20 years, I would say, it's really been prescribed for younger and younger women who are not just using it for the prevention of pregnancy, who are using it because they have problems with their period, um, PCOS, uh, you know, all sorts of issues with their period, which that to me is the wrong intervention at the wrong time. Because when you're young, your body is the most responsive the most quick healing and has the best chance of responding to all of these dietary manipulations that can rebalance your hormones naturally. And then, so, so great, get yourself balanced naturally. And then if you want to use the pill to prevent pregnancy and it's not affecting you adversely, that's totally fine. How, how so, young are people getting prescribed it? You know, oh, at the it, youngest and that's ages? the other scary thing. There have been no clinical studies looking at the long-term effects of putting girls as young as 13, which is now pretty standard practice, on the pill because they have like a cramp or a zit and it's interfering with soccer practice. Or they don't want want And they just don't want to deal with the hassle of the period because the conversation around it is that it's a liability and not a superpower. Hmm. And um, they're on the pill for 20 plus years. Then they go off only to sadly come to understand that they have had an underlying hormonal imbalance that has become progressively worse. And now they're running up against that closing fertile window and they feel stressed. And, you know, it's just, it's a very unnecessary thing to put yourself through if you take the time when you're younger to address these issues. Yeah. I like the emphasis that um, you can address the issues naturally and uh, waiting till you've solved them to kind of deal with it later on. And that's also fascinating. It was meant for uh, like eight or 10 pregnancies later. And it's kind of like the old school version of tying the fallopian tubes. Um, it was like, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a chemical form of, you know, it's, it's a way to prevent pregnancy. How the pill works is it, it, it tricks your body to thinking that it's already pregnant. So the hormonal ratio that you're taking every day is, you know, supercharging your progesterone levels so that your body doesn't produce another egg. Mm-hmm. And that's really the deal with it. So you're not actually having a real cycle. And that's the other thing I'll say about it. Once you learn about how your hormonal fluctuations affect your brain chemistry in these amazing ways that allow you to live um, your most creative, optimal you know, passion and life and career, when you're on the pill, you don't get access to that. Hmm. Right. So that's the second thing. You don't have access to that at all. And then the third thing is this has been also very well documented is that while you're on the pill, your, uh, your chemical receptor sites for pheromones are altered in such a significant way. I was just about to you, ask you about that. You actually attract the, uh, you know, immunologically speaking, the wrong uh, reproductive partner for yourself. So the whole purpose of your hormonal fluctuation and the pheromones that they produce and the receptor sites that you have as they're being affected by your intrinsic hormonal production is so that you are attracted to the the sweat 
of a man who is immunologically the most divergent from you, the most different, the Mm -hmm. most far apart genetically as possible, so that your offspring, when you do eventually combine genetic material, is the healthiest from an immune system standpoint. When you're on the pill, you are attracted to the sweat of a man who is more closely aligned to your own immunological profile and it Hmm. can cause problems when it comes time to get off the pill and to have a child there's more you know a potential for miscarriage and problems and and no one's talking about i mean listen this was study was done at harvard and oxford i you know over a decade ago now and even though it's been in the news it's still you know not necessarily top of mind and i think that's also kind of frustrating too for guys because when the partner, your female partner gets off the pill for some reason, all of a sudden your emotional harmony is not there. You know, there's more of the sense of like, you know, I've, I've had women come through this process of getting off the pill and, and marriages because they're like, I literally cannot stand the smell of my husband. I can't stand the way he talks. Everything about this partner becomes, you know, like just intolerable and that's the power and the profound effect that hormones are having on you in so many different ways. And I feel like we should just be cognizant of it before we make these decisions when there are other equally effective forms of birth control. If you, all you're using it for is to prevent pregnancy, then there are so many other ways to do that that don't affect you chemically in, in adverse ways. That's uh, insane about the pheromone attraction, opposites attract. Um can you describe what pheromones are and how they work real quick? Um, I'm really fascinated by that whole thing. I mean, they're just, they're just, you know, chemical and hormonal substances that, that we find attractive. It's like, you know, somebody could pick up your sweat. You mentioned you have a girlfriend, I think, right? So she picks up your sweaty t-shirt and Mm -hmm. is like, "Mm, ambrosia, (laughs) you know, but you know, somebody down the street would pick it up and say, oh my God, this needs to go in the laundry or burn this, you know? And so it just has to do with the fact that we all have, um, immunological markers that are more compatible with others. And this is really about optimizing health. Um, it also has to do with, uh, the microbiome. Now we're learning that, um, gut bacteria affects things like the way your breath smells and this, and what's coming out of you as far as sweat. Hmm. And so, um, you can improve your pheromone profile by improving your microbiome as well. So there's 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 a lot of fun things that we're discovering about these um, the ways in which we come together as as people as genders to combine in the most healthy way for the future offspring. So getting now into uh, Alyssa Alyssa Vitti's fixes. Um, what are start, I guess starting with the pill? What are some of you mentioned natural alternatives to prevent getting pregnant. What are some of your go-tos when you're transitioning women off the pill? Well, I mean, I always like to have women do the flow protocol while they're still on the pill so that they bolster their micronutrient profile and, Mm -hmm. and, and all the things that we do to balance hormonally with food so that when they do transition off the pill, there isn't this like big falling off the cliff where all your symptoms come back and you feel miserable. There's no need to feel miserable. You can kind of do this in a gradual step down method with, of course, the supervision of your gynecologist. Um, and then, you know, it's really about what you're comfortable with, you know, so some women will opt to, you know, go back to condoms with their partner because it's 
equally effective as the pill. Mm -hmm. Um, Others will use a combination method of, um, you know, getting fitted for a diaphragm or using the sponge, which is, you know, equal in in effectiveness to the diaphragm. Um, And they'll use that as sort of the the go-to for the whole month, but then during their fertile ovulation window of time, they'll, they'll double up. So you'll do the sponge or the diaphragm, and then they'll use a condom for those three to four days where they're seeing that cervical mucus and they see that they're most optimally fertile for that window of time. Yeah. And then the rest of the month, you know, you don't have to. Of course, this is all assuming that you have a long-standing relationship with someone who has produced paperwork. <laughs> what does that mean? Produce paperwork. Uh, I want to see the test results from your lab. I always think that's like really a romantic thing to do when you're getting to know someone like, "Show me your paperwork. Are you STD clear?" because you cannot be Got having it. intercourse as a woman with the risks for pelvic inflammatory disease and fertility issues without a condom until you are really everybody's all, you know, on that where you're at that you shouldn't even be thinking about it until you're at the point where you could have a conversation yeah. like that with your partner. Yeah. Um, and then of course there um, you know, there's temperature taking and there's using things like wild carrot seed, which has been in use hmm. for uh, millennia to help women. Um, basically, the the action of the wild carrot seed is it just um, creates a, a subtle irritation, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the lining of the uterus and has like a sort of a pro-inflammatory kind of response, and it makes it difficult for any implantation to happen. So it's it's not like the morning after pill where um, you're actually causing a period to happen chemically and thereby um, you know, preventing the pregnancy this is a little bit more of a, a natural approach, um, as well, but you know, you need to understand how to use that herb and, and to do it correctly for that to work. So, I mean, I would say for the average person who is dating, it's condoms, even if you're on the pill anyway, it's gotta be condoms. And then yeah. for people who are in long-term relationships, you know, it can be something like the sponge or this, or getting fitted for a diaphragm and condoms on the days where you're ovulating. That's a really great barrier methods are the best. And, you know, the other thing is what about the IUD in case somebody's just saying, what about the IUD? Well, you've got the Mirena IUD, which is a hormonal based, um, secreting IUD. And then you've got the copper IUD, mm-hmm. which does not secrete hormones, but really irritates the lining of the uterus so that nothing happens as far as implantation. The issue with both, um, more so with the copper than with the Mirena, although it, it does happen in both cases, is that the, the IUDs can travel, can um, make their way down out through the cervix and cause a lot of problems when you're actually having sex. I actually had a guy um, reach out to me saying, you know, what other birth control can we use? Because I'm bumping into her IUD, you know, when we're having sex and it's really uncomfortable and she wants it out and I want it out. And what else can we do? Sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. It's really, you know, not a pleasant thing to like discover in that situation. Like, (laughs) Oh, there's your IUD. It moved, you know? Um, and then the other situation of course is that the IUD can pierce the lining of the uterus causing major complications and, and, uh, it's that little T right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really 
again, was only ever designed for women who had finished making all their babies because of the risks to scarring of the uterus and for, and your fertility. But now it's being marketed to younger women. Um, and so I, again, it's, it's just, you just need to be aware of all the potential risks before you sign up for these things, thinking that it's a, an easy solution. I mean, you, you've got to take care of yourself no matter which, which path that you choose. Sure. Um, man, we're coming up on time. This is, uh, this, this flew by. This is so fascinating, but I'm, I'm curious now, what are some actions that they can take the women at home, uh, to harness the power of their hormones instead of being afraid from it? Um, I get out of hormonal chaos. I think that's how you, you put it in your speech. Do you have well, any off the top of your head? I mean, first and foremost is, you know, we have a great four day estrogen detox that, you know, everybody should download. You just go to flowliving.com forward slash hormone detox and it's exerted but expanded from my book, Woman Code. And so it's a great place to start because it's very likely that if you have symptoms, you have estrogen dominance hmm. as one of the root causes. And so going through this sort of four day eating plan, it's not really a you're not going to not be eating. You're going to be eating specialized foods that help you detox estrogen. So it's not really a cleanse or a diet, but, um, but you will start to feel better. And that will be your first inclination that you're moving in the right path, that your body does need some hormonal support. And then the next thing, you know, for you to do would be to start eliminating endocrine disruptors, right? So anything that might mimic estrogen as far as chemicals in your products, um, and, you know, on our blog, you can find lots of resources about um, which products to avoid and which ones to swap in and what chemicals you should look for on the label, um, you know, like phthalates and like make, makeup's things. a big one, right? Yeah, makeup, nail polish, um, lotion or skin, lotion, stuff, anything yeah. that you're like wearing on your skin for hours, anything you're cleaning your home with, um, room fresheners, oy. Yeah. Um, you know, oh. all that stuff, right? You want to really be careful. And then, of course, you know, as a third sort of layer to that is looking at the foods that you're eating, making sure that they're organic as much as possible because those pesticides really not only disrupt your endocrine system and your hormones, but they also destroy your microbiome. Specifically, uh, one of the, one of the bacterial genes that are specialized in breaking down estrogen called the estrobolome. So you really want to make sure that your choices are as organic as possible. So that's like step two. Okay. And then the third step is really what I think you got so excited about from my She Summit talk is really understanding these four phases and starting to plan to have some of those things that you should be doing at the right time of your cycle, plan those in your schedule so that you are and start eating the foods that help you each phase of the cycle and doing the things and exercising in the way that really cycle sinks, right? So that you're never depleting or leaving yourself vulnerable to more estrogen dominance or running out of B vitamins so that you have crazy cravings and PMS or you feel so exhausted and moody that you're not getting anything done. Because the reality is when you add up all of those hours and days out of the month where you're not feeling clear and on your game and full of vitality, you're not pursuing your passion, your purpose, your whatever your unique contribution to this world is this moment, you're not able to do it. You're not, whether that's being the best mom, whether that's being, you know, um, doing something amazing at your job, whether it's you as an entrepreneur, if you're writing a book, whatever it is you're doing, 
you're not going to be able to bring your full self to that experience. So working, aligning with those hormonal patterns is really the key. So it's kind of the three, the three step process. Man, Elisa, we have some closing questions. Do you have like an extra five minutes? Of course. Okay. Great. Just want to be respectful. I know you got a young one over there. I know. I'm, 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 as I like to say, my my body's always on a timer now because whenever it's time for breastfeeding, you know, it's like, ding, got to go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first one, um, looking back on this year, 2016, 2015, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned? Without a doubt. And, and, ironic that this was the lesson given what I do. So, you know, I learned that motherhood is not a liability the way that we have been culturally spoken to about it. And I say that that's ironic because I spent my entire first part of my career prior to becoming a mother really understanding that just having a period was not a liability and teaching that to other women. So to me, it was just an extension of that, you know, sort of reprogramming myself to realize that in fact, um, everything that, that a female's body does is just so amazing and, and in tangible ways, you know, we've grown, uh, by a hundred percent over the years that I've been pregnant and then this first year of motherhood. So it's been really eye opening to me how much more effective I am, um, as I deepen this relationship to my unique female system. Great answer. Um, okay. You're talking to Elisa in her twenties, just starting out. Uh, mm. what, what advice do you give her? Oh, these are like table topic questions. These are this is like tearjerker questions. Yeah, these are my favorite. <laughs> I would say, uh, don't, don't be in such a rush, you know, and trust that the unfolding of everything is really in the highest and best interest of your personal timing and that all those instincts and intuitive guidance that you're, that you're hearing and feeling a little fearful of following, keep following them anyway. And don't worry about the, the scary feelings because it's really just, uh, truly a sensation of moving in the right direction and excitement and you being vibrant and vital. That's just oxytocin pulling you into the future. Okay. I hear that one. That's a good one. Um, all right. Uh, changed your mind on anything in your career that you've really changed your mind on looking back at it? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say maybe that um, I really am a scientist at heart. I am a researcher. I love, I'm a science geek. So I really was avoiding, you know, learning about, you know, um, how the whole online world worked for a long time. Huh. And so, um, yeah. Like just, so- social media and blogging. Yeah, and all that. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I resist you know, sharing everything about my life on social media. But I, I do, I understand more and more, you know, um, that we all want to connect and we all want to reduce our isolation, which is exactly why, um, I started flow living in the first place. So it's nice that, um, that I'm starting to see that the power of community and in that way. So, yeah. Sure. Okay. And the last one, uh, the desert islands, what book, does Elisa Vitti bring with her? What's the best one? Oh, 
Well, you're asking me on a very special day, Clark. <laughs> so tomorrow in Manhattan, and you know, I don't know when this show airs, but tomorrow in Manhattan is um, is the Tartan Day Parade, and um, the Outlander series is coming to town. My, my mother <laughs> obsessed, obsessed so, with that. I don't know. I I read all of the books in two months. I'm a speed reader. My husband was like, you read what? How? 16,000 pages in two months. Now listen, I couldn't even pick one book. So that's probably not the book I would bring because I can't bring all of them and then I'd just be mad. But my love for those books Some is Diana deep. Gibson or whatever? Diana, I cannot pronounce her last name properly. Gabaldon, maybe? Gabaldon. My um, mom's in one of those... Uh, like meetup guilds or whatever they call it, where I'm she that, I'm not that deep. That's 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 really awesome. She's though. deep in it, so I, <laughs> you're yeah. But I probably bring if I was being reasonable, I'd probably bring something like, um, you know, the very first book I read to my daughter when I brought her home from the hospital was the first few pages of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations and oh. some Rumi poetry, like just some things that remind you about, you know, the how life is um, temporal and beautiful all at the same time. So if I was on a desert island, I'd probably want to remember those things because I'd feel a little lonely. But uh, but yeah, that and, and Jamie from Outlander would be nice. <laughs> Jamie from Outlander, everyone. Uh, Elisa Vitti, this was fun. This is awesome. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, Thank you. So much fun talking to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing... Uh, the woman code and flow living flowliving.com that's f-l-o-l-i-v-i-n-g correct yeah come get the free newsletter come get all the free stuff we got a lot of love for your lady parts free stuff love for your lady parts you heard it all right thanks lisa bye all right that's this week's show what'd you think If you liked it, please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and a review. Helps the show out, support the show. Uh, This week's review from iTunes comes from, it's just three blank squares because they don't do emojis on iTunes, so I don't know your name. Title is My Favorite Podcast. Short, sweet, it says Clark is the best and I look forward to the next podcast once I finish each one. He and his guests are always on current information, which I can count on now. Thank you so much for your review. It really means a lot. Again, the show is not about um, it's not about us, not about me. It's about the guests and the information and getting actionable steps that you can apply at home for free. That's our mission on the show is to bring the best quality information to you and hopefully in a format that doesn't put you to sleep on your commute, on the treadmill, in the gym, walking around, wherever you're listening to this. So thanks for your review. It means a lot. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, at Clark Dangerous, all my social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube channels, Clark Danger Fitness, where we do weekly Wednesday health hacks, vlogs, kind of behind the scenes stuff and, and life hacks over there. Uh, it's like 300 videos over there if you want. And then paleohacks.com is where you can find all our previous episodes of this podcast. Start working your way back, get all the information, even though they're from maybe a couple years ago. We got over 100 shows on there, 100 hours of content, and they're all killer. Still hold up today. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.